welcome again to Mwanangum Tanami's podcast. We are here again, another week's edition of parenting and support for our families. Today we have a special guest, one who amidst all the challenges that we are going through saw that there was something wrong and there was a potential that someone could get hurt in the process and decided, no, I need to stand up and I need to protect our children. Um, so our topic of discussion today is child protection in the digital age. So our guest for today is Edith Utete. Edith, welcome, welcome. Please tell us what it is that you do. Thank you, Janet. Um, like you said, I am very passionate about child protection. I am a lawyer by profession, a mom of four. I have a 21-year-old and two teenagers and a toddler. So that combination of being a lawyer and a mom is what got me into the space where I was worried about what my children were exposed to online, especially now when they have to be online because of schoolwork. Um, and even before the pandemic, when they were required to do homework and um, other school projects using the internet. And it was also because of the kind of stories that I would hear from other moms and other you know, schools and all sorts of, um, what do you call it, the risks that are going on, the things that are going on with children, just having phones, but without knowing what they're getting themselves into. So this is where the passion grew from. And I started doing more research into what internet safety was about. I had left my, my profession as a lawyer and moved into consulting at that time. So during my training programs, I then incorporated sessions with the children where I would hear from them what they were experiencing online. And I managed to get some very revealing information from those children. Of course, those kids, they <laughs> from... always tell, they tell everybody else what's going on and they don't <laughs> talk to their parents. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. From the fact that they were opening private accounts wow. to the fact that they were hacking into school computer systems. Really? To, yes. And this are primary school children. I to the that fact TV. that No. And these are schools right next door to us, um, the schools that our own children are going to. So instead of, okay, yes, I freaked out at first, but I, instead of panicking and raising alarm, I, I approached the schools about the findings that I had made. And um, I then started an intentional program for those children with the help of the parents in the school to just help them figure out what they were really getting themselves into. And yeah, so that movement has grown because of those uh, conversations that we've had. I have now started publishing material as well. I've got a few books on for parents and I'm working on some for the educators and the children as well. So I, okay. I'm also an author. Tell us more about, I, about that and your books um, in relation to the subject matter. Well, the one that I have been using mo mainly is the parenting in a connected world okay. for children who are for this is specifically for the parents because in my interactions with the children and the educators we found that the gap is the parents because parents generally think when they send their children to school it's well and good everything is sorted and the children also feel 
that the parents are not up to date with their needs. So no matter what they're taught at school or whatever they, we teach them as the professionals, they still want mom and dad to chip in somehow. And then when I went to the parents, the issue was how do we chip in? So I had to provide them with conversation starters, how they can start even talking about the technology risks, how they can start talking about the opportunities that the internet has, Mm. how they can talk about how their children are going to be using the internet. And for those who hadn't provided their children with phones or mobile devices, how they could prepare their children for that experience of being online. Yeah, and so those I, are the- I, I will definitely attest to the fact that you're very resourceful because for me, you know, my daughter is eight years old and um, because we engage on a regular basis, there was a program that you, you had insight on that actually prepares the child's mind on um, how to behave online if they haven't started mm-hmm. and if they already have, how to, how to manage or navigate what they've already gone through and possibly protect themselves better, which is awesome. And already, you okay. know, it's like um, I receive updates that are telling me that, that um, she, she has made pledges and, you know, for her, she becomes more aware as well of the risks and what's going on out there. So it's like super awesome. Now, I think because of that, I, I didn't know how to start the conversation. And thanks to you, um, there's a whole program that is designed for that, for age groups from what, eight all the way through to 17, right? For now, it's eight to 14. Okay. Although, although the material outside that program is all the way up to 19. Exactly. So there's, there's all of this, this content that's available. And the thing is now, mm-hmm. not everybody will be able to access um, that kind of training program. You know, it, we had to go through a screening process as well. So the question now would be for parents who have children who are, who are going on the internet, who are accessing um, these, these devices and things like that what are the things that they they need to pay attention to and how should they prepare themselves and their children in order to make their children's um engagement with the internet a whole lot better okay i think the first thing as a family you have to establish your values Mm -hmm. one issue that i find is when people go online they tend to want to act differently to who they are in real life very true and what we need to to teach our children is to be authentic to be who we are online and offline Mm -hmm. to be consistent in who in, in our values in our the way we present ourselves to the world so the pressure then of trying to be something that you're not will fall away. If, if you teach your child to always, you know, have confidence in who they are, to um, always be bold about what they believe in, it's really important to maintain that. Yeah. So you then don't get um, things like when a child, I know of some children who've had um, cases of body shaming or cyberbullying happening online. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of that. When you when you have the conversations that instill confidence in your child prior to them going online, it doesn't matter what people say to them when they get into those spaces. They are able to know that this is about the other person and whatever they think, and it's not about me. 
and they don't feel any pressure as well to mm -hmm. be somebody else or to have to follow a certain crowd you find with a lot of the children also now because of um, the opportunity to be famous to yeah. become popular in an instant you also need to prepare them for that mm. to show them that in an instant you can be popular but on the other end you can also lose that popularity yeah. based on a very simple thing so the children need to see those opportunities the value in the technology and to appreciate that technology is a tool it is not something that is going to you know take over your life you like can stop right yes you can stop when you want to you can do other things mm -hmm. you can go outside you can talk to people face to face you can write you can be creative you try to have that balance so that they know when i want to be entertained when I want to be informed, I can use my phone, but I can also be entertained and in, informed in other ways outside the digital device. Because there is that issue of addiction that comes with being online, which we need to guard against as well. Definitely. So, I'm so worried about the issues of addiction because you find that, mm -hmm. um, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe because there's so much withdrawal for my kids, I try to limit their contact with digital stuff, you know, with, with the internet and things like that, because the way that they become hooked, you can't have a conversation with that person. You, you, you mm -hmm. cannot engage with them. It's like they literally become a zombie, you know, and everything that they is going do. on with them is centered on that virtual reality that they're in at the time and then you know like skip a few years yes. forward i was watching a um a presentation by this man who was saying that um even when now you get into the workplace you know there is so much um time being spent on devices because people cannot unhook you know they're constantly plugged in mm -hmm. on their devices and then they said when they did a survey of the staff that were there because there was a full range of young staff and older staff older staff were very engaged with their work you know they were consistent with their deliverables and everything but the younger staff they like literally had their laptops mm -hmm. on and then the, 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 the phone would be right there by their belly or their chest whatever and you know they'd be like typing typing <laughs> and then looking and replying and responding to their messages typing typing you know because they just couldn't unhook yeah. So, you know, like, I, I feel like we need to have more conversations about those addictions, you know, so that we can, we can help our kids. So now my question would be, like, from that sense, I tell uh -huh. my kids that no gadgets for as long as possible. And then only when they've, like, asked for 20, 100 times, that's when I'll say yes. But most times I say no. Is that a good approach? Or how, how should I balance it out? I mean, what's good and what's bad? You know, because this is something that has just been thrown on our laps as parents, even us as experts, because we are the generation that grew up without the internet. We grew yeah. up without digital devices. We are the first generation to parent children who are born into this. Okay. So it's, it's, that's true. It, it's, it's still something that we are studying and we don't know what is wrong or what is right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for, for us to even say it's wrong for children to spend X hours on the internet or on the computer doesn't always make sense. Like right now, 
we've got children who are supposed to be online because of school. True. So they are, whether they like it or not, whether we like it or not, their school curriculum requires it. Mm-hmm. So for those children, you can't impose that you need to be online for, so, uh, for this amount of time. But what I have been, um, prior to the pandemic, what I've been advising was for children who are under five, avoid them use, spending time on a digital device for, an hour, for more than an hour okay. a day. And in our household, my children who are school going age, they don't have access to digital devices during the week at all. Okay, but not even I, for ten minutes. <laughs> are they going to school though? Online then? No, this was before this was before the, the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now we we had to change the rules, mm-hmm. obviously, because they now need to go to school on the computer. Yes. So and we we realized that even if we take away their phones, they have access to the internet on their laptops. They still and they can be chatting. Yes, and they can be chatting to their friends there. So now it's not it's no, not so much up. Maybe can I just interject on that one? I think this is the funniest thing, right? So you know we've got WhatsApp web, right? So there I connect my phone to WhatsApp web and I yes. do this because it's easier to type on the laptop than it is to type on the phone. It's such a small device, you know, so it's so so not handy, right? So I, I leave my WhatsApp web on and I go wherever I go. And my daughter is doing school on the laptop. As she's doing school on the laptop, um, I find myself, I find I am sending messages to myself and I can't figure out what's going on. You know, because, because I was like, I, I thought it only worked when you were within range. You know what I mean? But only to mm-hmm. discover once you're connected on WhatsApp web, for as long as the connection is active, right? Your web will still be connected even when you are not on the phone. For as long as there's an active internet connection. Mm-hmm. So my daughter knew that I, I send myself messages when I want to remember stuff. Uh-huh. Right? So she looked for my contacts within my contacts and she started apping me. And I was like, what? This is too weird. (laughs) And how old is she? She's eight. (laughs) You see, that's the thing about these kids. They will know these things that we would never know. And and no one teaches them sometimes they experiment so much, you know, they experiment a whole lot. Yes. And the thing is, it, it's only because I noticed my name kept popping up at the top of the message list that I, rea- that I got to realize that no, it's because mm-hmm. she kept sending messages. And now I had to pay attention because she was asking me questions and I had to engage. But um, I was shocked. <laughs> I thought this doesn't work unless I'm close by. You know? Yeah. So you see, the the thing with uh, technology and your, your earlier question is you have to talk to your children all the time mm. and you have to have the kind of conversations that will lead to them opening up to you, to them asking you questions, to them um, being comfortable coming to you when they meet any roadblock or when they've seen something that they're not familiar with. You, and even if you don't know the answer, it's okay for you to say, let me get get back to you on this one. And then you do your research or you consult. 
But the minute they feel like you are unapproachable, either because you are that mom was like, no, I don't want to hear about it, or because you always say, ah, I don't know, leave me alone, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. They will they will look for the answers elsewhere. That's they will look for answers elsewhere, and usually they'll get answers which are in conflict with your values as a family. So yeah. you need to stay on top of the parenting in terms of building trust and maintaining communication and also upskilling your own skills because this thing is evolving so fast. It's impossible for anyone to know everything. That is so true. That is so true. At any one given time. Nobody, nobody not, knows. Not at all. So for my household, what I tried to do was um, to build that trust, was to make sure that I was the one who introduced all topics first. I am, whatever difficult conversation it's going yeah. to be about, I am the one who introduces it first. So if it's, if it's relating to bullying, okay. if it's relating to sexual, sex and sexuality, I will be the first person to introduce that topic, as difficult as it may be, so that I build trust. And then when they hear it from others, right, and even go as far as graphical, as, 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 as reasonably possible for the age group, so as to help them realize that I'm being as open as I can be and they can trust me so that when they come and then they say, oh, my friends are talking about this at school, but they don't know, you know, like you and me, we had this conversation and they don't even know what's real and what's not, you know, so that's the kind of engagement I have with my daughter, at least. That's and, good. That and, is good. And, and we've so gotten important. to the point, we've gotten to a point now, like when um, they're in online class, there are some kids who go back door and they inbox her and things like that. It's like, mom. They're inboxing me mm -hmm. way in class. I, I, I had to block them. <laughs> you know, they're gone. <laughs> you see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That even when they're confronted with something that they know is wrong, they'll be able to deal with it on their own because mm. it's like when you send them out to school and somebody bullies them at school, you're not always going to be there. But if you are, you've given them the tools before they go out onto the internet or into the world, then they are equipped to be more resilient and also to deal with issues as they come. So the conversations should not be necessarily be around how much time you are you spending on the phone and all that. It's more about what you want them to get out of using that phone mm. and what you expect them to to um uh, to know about the risks and what you want them to do when they are faced with any situation that is uncomfortable or that is potentially harmful to them yeah. so those are the things that are important and the minute they feel that they can't trust you also that's when you have those situations where they're creating um private accounts mm. or going on to social media without your knowledge even because you might say my no, no social media until you're X age, but because their friends are on social media, and, they and because access. these children are so tech savvy yeah. and they have access, they will go onto social media and create some fake accounts in a fake name, and you'll never know about it. And I think until something. Yeah, as, as, you're, as you're getting into that, I think you're, you're touching in on one of the questions that I had, um, which is what kind of risks mm -hmm. are there 
out there because you know you've you've talked about the fake accounts that kids create you've you've talked about how you know they probably won't open up to you about certain things bad negative and positive things that are happening to them on on social mm-hmm. media but this this is a whole there's a whole basket of of risks that children are prone to when they are online so mm-hmm. let's just have let's have a small discussion about that so we can see the extent okay. to which things can go horribly wrong okay one uh, risk is cyberbullying definitely mm-hmm. because when they are online like I said, people are more bold and they can say things that mean things, especially that they would ordinarily not say to your face. So you get a lot of accountability. There's no accountability on social media. Exactly. And um, because people feel sometimes, I I, I don't know where they get this sense of uh, bravery when they're online. Superpowers. Say things that they normally wouldn't say in, in person. Then you've got um, exposure to pornography. Mm. There was a time when uh, YouTube videos, the ones for the children's um, videos, there would be pop-ups of some really disturbing content mm-hmm. that would come up somehow that apparently has been fixed but when children uh, go online sometimes they'll not just on youtube uh, even with search engines they search for something quite innocent like um, if a child searches for a boy the word boy for example and sometimes you find things that are not appropriate for their age Mm -hmm. in terms of the the visuals yeah in terms of the language and another risk that you find is uh, sexual abuse linked to pornography there's sexual abuse where children pictures are exposed to pedophiles mm-hmm. there was a case where children would post their parents would videos of their children doing multiple things That's gymnastics or sport or swimming and then you'd get you get comments, then you would get comments from people who are sexual predators mm. which are which were very inappropriate and then you've got the risk of their privacy mm-hmm. you know when you sign up for things sometimes you're asked for information like your name your address your telephone number your email address mm-hmm. And because children are very trusting, they will usually give out more than they're supposed to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that they will look at the terms and conditions of things that they sign up for. So Who there's does, the risk though? of... Who does? It is, okay, we're going to be very, very honest. Those things are so long, you know, and I think oh, yeah. they make them so long so that people don't read them and we just agree. Because every time that yes. pops up for me, I just say, I agree. Uh, that is so true. So imagine if you do that as an adult, what more for a child? It actually what are they me, Yeah, it reminds mm-hmm. me of a child who was playing a game in the UK, I think, and they rang up a bill mm-hmm. of about $10,000 on their father's card because of in-app credit. Yeah. Fortunately, the bank reversed that, but in some cases, you, you, you can't recover your money. Yeah. And, and then... Yes. 
Mm -hmm. And then for the children who are uh, playing games online, Mm-hmm. They're also exposed to stranger danger because mm-hmm. when you're online, anyone can create a profile with their child's picture and say I'm 13 or 14, mm. and then and meanwhile they're not. Mm-hmm. So there are things like uh, the cases of of children who've been exposed to uh, either people who are sexual predators or child trafficking traffickers or mm. murderers, kidnappers, the children innocently gave these people information about themselves. Wow. Then you've got, um, I've seen this even with adults that when you go online and you're scrolling on people's feeds, sometimes you get us, you feel a sense of being left out, um, being inadequate. Mm. You see people who are on holidays or who are doing well or they're achieving something and these people because people always post the good stuff about themselves of course of course so meanwhile if you're a child and you are you're not mature you don't understand that this is not necessarily real life and it's not every day and it's not that it's not a, it's not a reflection of who you are mm-hmm. Sometimes you get it affects people psychologically. You get your feelings. You get low self inadequacy. Low self inadequacy. Mm. Um, there have been uh, cases of children who've even uh, committed suicide because of what they see other people's lives looking like on social media, and then they compare that to their own lives and feel like they're not good enough. Then there's the issue of the like factor where if I post something and people don't like what I've posted, but my friend always gets lo- lots of likes and lots of comments and it, it makes me then feel inadequate as well. Like, uh, so I'm not good enough. What I have to say is not valuable enough. Exactly. So yeah, those are just a few of the things that I experienced online. That's the, that it's actually a lot. And, um, you know, if you're not proactive, you can, you can fall, you can become very depressed. And like you're saying, even go ahead and commit suicide. So now the question that I would ask, I think what well, probably our time is running out. Um, I will, I will compound my question to say, what are the built in safety nets on the internet that protects children to ensure that, um, they don't get exposed to some of this pornographic content and things like that. And then how best can parents, reconfigure the way that they are doing internet um, for their kids so that they can um, improve and increase safety for their children. Okay. I know with most of the social media platforms now, they've got options where they'll say children can only sign in if they're 13 years and above. But again, I'll take it back to the issue that an age factor does not necessarily mean a child is ready. So while we we can have those um, safety nets that are inbuilt in the technology or on the social media platforms, it still remains with us as the parents to make sure that our child is ready. To weigh the pros and the cons of anything that we're going to expose our child to. Just like you would not give your child car keys and let them drive off. You you need to know that they've passed the, the various tests and that you've even driven with them 
-hmm. for you to know that they can do it. So it's the same. You go onto those platforms with them. And as you go on them, you also talk to them about the features that are there. You talk to them about the experiences. You allow them to ask questions. You can also ask them questions. What are you, what do you think about this and get their perspective and their understanding because sometimes when you have that lecture approach and they are nodding and say oh okay yes 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 but meanwhile when they go back to using the device they don't apply what you've said to them so yeah i'm more for the conversations Mm -hmm. between the parent and the child and those have to be ongoing then um, yeah, so you've got you've got those safety features like um, where you can also monitor your child's activities. You can play the stalker and watch what your child is doing online, who they're talking to, when, and all that. You can also have systems of having uh, time frames for when they can use the the services, like at night, no phones in the room, in the bedrooms, or during dinner time, or during school time, other than online classes, of course. Mm -hmm. So there are various strategies that you have to complement. But I also believe that you you need, as a parent, to go and to know which um, apps your child is using so that you get to know more about those apps. I could tell you right now that TikTok is has these features, but by tonight TikTok might have changed those features. Of course, so you changing. have to. <laughs> they 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 adapt. Yes. So, you, so, yes, so we have to keep as the as the apps evolve. We have to also keep up. I know it can be overwhelming because there's so much going on all the time, and we've got other things that we're trying to balance but just set aside a portion of your time each day or each week where you sit down with your child and you go through those um, apps that they use usually your child will have maximum of three or five things that they are into tiktok instagram snapchat uh, whatsapp and maybe email. Yeah, so if, for old people. Or YouTube. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. And Twitter is for old people. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> or YouTube. So yeah. if you know what they're using, those it will become less overwhelming if you know which, which um, apps they use. Then you go and you find out more. You get information online or you approach professionals for insights into that because... With each season, there's always something new that, that's coming on the market. And sometimes these uh, apps are reactive to certain things that happen. Like what happened when Google was um, sued because of the acts, what uh, they were doing with the data that they were yeah. collecting from children. So they had to react to that. But But then we as parents will know more beforehand we know what we expect Mm -hmm. so i think we should be leading those conversations about what we want from from the technology what we want from the social media platforms as opposed to us waiting for them to correct anything because they they don't have the children that we have they don't know 
the needs that we have until something actually happens. That is so true. That is so true. So um, I know this, this and is then, a great. Sorry, if I can just add on another thing is mm -hmm. the legal systems have to also come on board. Mm -hmm. For a very long time, social media was unregulated. The internet is still largely unregulated. So as parents, our voices need to also be heard in the crafting of legislation, whether it's at a national or international level, that affects ch child online protection. We need to have our voices heard. I've been to many platforms and forums where it's just the technical people talking, and it's not even coming from the experience of having a child being, who's exposed or a child who's going to be potentially exposed. So we need those people who are actually on the ground, the parents, the teachers, the mm. carers, they need to be, their voices need to come um, in, in the forefront of all those uh, policies and legal framework frameworks that are going to be crafted, which are looking at protection of uh, child data, protection of, uh, you know, child digital experiences, and even the digital divide aspect where some children are not having access to mm. digital platforms because the social media and technology is not all bad. There's so many opportunities there, yeah. but there's a lot of children who are also not accessing it. Yes, and then that, that brings in that issue of inadequacy that you were talking about. And, you know, just, just mm -hmm. tying in what, with what you were talking about, the legal system, I can imagine the number of videos that we have seen of children videotaping other children being beaten and bullied by other kids and nothing oh, yes. about it, you know. And oh, yeah. you ask yourself, if that were my child, you know, and you see videos going viral over things yes. that... And the internet doesn't forget. That's, that's the thing. No. So I, no, today, today I'm 13, it doesn't forgive and forget exactly. Today I'm 13 years old, I make a mistake, someone records it. I'm going to be 40 years old and people will still remind me that this is what you did oh, yes. when you were 13, you know? Oh, yeah. So that, is, that, that definitely is a very, very critical point that you've raised. So I think Absolutely. I just want to hear the two final words that you probably have for this interview to parents. You know, just, just if, if, as they say, your clarion call, or if this was your last day on earth, the last thing you want to be remembered for, so we can quote you <laughs> and pass around memes with your name on it. What are those two top things that you want to tell the world? <laughs> I want to remind uh, parents that there's no need to be afraid because not all risks equate to harm. Mm -hmm. Yes, the risk. Uh, there, but not everything equates to harm. And our children are more resilient than we give them credit for. They are more knowledgeable than we give them credit for. Let's show a little confidence and more confidence in them and more trust. And we need to move from that uh, space where we have the uh, be seen and not heard mm. kind of attitude that we grow up with. We need to involve our children in, especially when it comes to the digital aspects, because there are things that they know that we don't know. There are things that they've grown into that we didn't. And um, I would say that sometimes, okay, the second point was 
there is no shame in, in acknowledging that there are things that we don't know. Mm, and yes. we, we, have, we have to, when there is need, we should approach the experts. We should approach resources. We should ask questions even from our, get, get answers from our own children. Sometimes the answers are simply with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we are going all over looking for answers. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, just continue to instill your values as families. The love and the communication and the trust should always be center of everything that you do. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you so much, Edith. And I think I love that last parting, parting word, the, the love and the trust, you know, we should, that, that should be what keeps us going. When the internet is mean and the world is mean, the love and the trust and the security mm -hmm. that we have at home should be the one that protects and guides us through it all. Thank you so much, Absolutely. Edith, for this very eye-opening, mind-opening experience because there's so many things that um, are, they're, 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 they're like wind, you know, they just come and go and you don't even see what's going on. So having someone who's actually there and spending time in the space is very good and very helpful to us parents. We, 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 I was yes. just saying the other day that suddenly the pace is picking up again. You know, suddenly everything is mm -hmm. becoming hectic again. It had slowed down, but now it's becoming hectic mm -hmm. again. You know, and we just mm -hmm. need to be able to, to stay in tune and stay alert um, to what is going on with our kids. We will definitely find a good reason to have you back again. Unfortunately, our internet was acting up here and there, so our call was a little bit jumpy, jumpy. But that doesn't stop you from coming back for another interview. No. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Edith. Always uh, a pleasure. All right. You take care. All right. You too. Thank you for having me here. Always a pleasure to, to have you here. Goodbye. Bye-bye.